The third episode of Twin Peaks aired on April 19th, 1990. It's called Episode 2, but it comes after the pilot and Episode 1, so it's the third episode. At the end of the episode, Agent Cooper has a dream of a red room. As soon as he awakens, he understands that the dream is a code, and that by correctly decoding each part of the dream, he will discover who killed Laura Palmer. Later in the series, Cooper does crack the code and is able to explain the exact significance of each dream element. But he also discovers that the red room of his dream is a real place, in a manner of speaking. A place that existed before he arrived in Twin Peaks, a place to which he can return while he is awake. He comes to understand that when a girl who looked like Laura whispered her killer's name to him in the dream, that girl was the real Laura Palmer, really whispering to him by means of weird magic time travel. In the movie Fire Walk With Me, Laura visits a terrifying bar called The Power and the Glory, what the movie soundtrack calls The Pink Room. We start to see that the Red Room is not only a real cosmic location, not only a code constructed for Cooper to unravel, but a sublimated depiction of Laura's trauma, a code that makes sense only to her. As critical analysts, we are tempted to grab hold of whatever interpretation we have the strongest reaction to and decide, this TV show means exactly one thing and here is that thing, I've solved it. But really meaningful meaning rarely consists of one-to-one -one correspondences between signifiers and signifieds, especially in the context of a great work of art. And this is the third strongest podcast. Uh, we got a bunch of people here today. Uh, everybody say hi crew. simultaneously. Hi. hi! Hi! There you go. Wait, there's another voice. What? A deep baritone voice has been added to the cast. It is, it is what I. What was that voice? The poo of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right out of the gate, folks. Did it not occur to you, Zach, that like we should get Sarah off of the podcast in the previous episode? No. Hey. I hadn't thought of us as party members in that particular way. <laughs> you weren't you... role-playing this whole time in your head? No. Not for Earth Yeah, I wasn't either, actually. Well, I was waiting for the perfect opportunity to make that joke, and here it is. Uh, we have a, a, a <laughs> guest, good. and good it's joke. Jason. Jason, Hi. introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Jason McIntosh. Oh, are we, are we not using last names here? <laughs> Can we start over? <laughs> there aren't enough characters. Okay. Uh, you could just type, uh, uh, usually on, uh, uh, you know, if there's only three characters, I would usually go with J-A-S. Um, don't call me that. But yeah, Jason's fine. Okay. And uh, what's your deal? <laughs> um... What's my deal? That's 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 a very open-ended question, Ryan. Uh, what's my deal vis-a-vis -vis Earthbound, or just uh, what, define what's... yourself in your own dang terms? All right. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I am a technical writer by trade, which means I am a writer, but only technically, I suppose. And uh, I have been playing video games a long time. I played video games through the SNES era, but I did not have an SNES. Um, my, my pal Thor, who lived, uh, two floors below me in Knox Hall at the University of Maine did, but he mostly used it to play Street Fighter 2. Um, all of which is to say I did not play Earthbound until I started listening to this very podcast. Um, and, uh, where I played it at the, at the tender age of whatever age I am now, as opposed to the, um, intended age of, uh, single digits, 
uh, and I have enjoyed it very much. And I've been writing um, the three hosts of this program long bullet list emails of my impressions. Um, and I'm going to imply that that led to them inviting me on the show when, in fact, the opposite order of events is is the truth. But here I am I anyway. I forget why we invited you to be on the podcast. Why is Jason here? So, Jason, did you have a Genesis or did you just play a lot of computer games? An apt question. I did have a Genesis. Thank you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's not, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't part of the rivalries. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at my, my, my friend Thor who lived on the second floor of Knox Hall um, or anything like that. Uh, I would, I would sometimes even play him at, at Street Fighter 2. Uh, you could play Mortal Kombat with the, well, was that the one that didn't have the blood or did have the blood? Anyway, um, huh. my point is this. Well, you're here. I did have a Genesis. Oh. Yes. And I had a Mac, so I also didn't play a lot of computer games. I mostly just played Genesis games. There you go. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We got to the bottom of this. That's 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 me in a nut right there. Uh, but no, you played uh, Earthbound, I, and I, we wanted to get... Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. I, I have a question about... Uh, what kind of... What was your history, either in the SNES era or later with uh with jrpgs or this basic format of uh, a party of people walking around and fighting monsters i'm so glad you asked ryan so i have uh for a long time which is to say during the <laughs> the days that i was playing them uh i had i was a big fan of lunar if you recall that which in the united states was released on sega cd the um I would I, I wouldn't call it obscure. You know what? It was it was an okay uh, platform in its time, but uh, that was my JRPG of choice. Uh, I believe the first one was called Lunar: The Silver Star, and the second one was called Lunar Eternal Blue. And the first of these was just really a formative, honestly, a formative uh, gaming experience for me. It's what I go to in my head whenever I think about JRPGs. I go there before I think about. Uh, Dragon Quest, a.k.a. Dragon Warrior, which I did play the moment it came out in the U.S. on NES. Uh, and yet, it was uh, Lunar, Lunar was, is, was absolutely my favorite uh, of all these. I would later go on, like some years after that, when I was first playing around with emulators, I played, um, uh, what's the one with the red-haired guy who travels through time? And, and there's a frog. Uh, <laughs> Chrono Trigger. <laughs> I almost flippantly yes. said East, but uh, it's not East. It's Chrono Trigger. It's no. I would have gotten that joke. Uh, yes, I played Chrono <laughs> Trigger like 2005. So, you know, ju just past the the, uh, the the time horizon there, if you will. And um, and even then, and like that was a fantastic experience too. But that, you know, that wasn't quite on the hardware. Um, so, yeah, my, the, 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 my number one JRPGs is the uh, is the is the uh, the Lunar series on on Sega. Cool. That is cool. I've never heard of that, but it seems to look pretty cool. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got a sarcastic baby dragon. Is your comic relief character who Aww. is? Ah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the you know what my favorite feature of that game is. So there's this comic relief character who's also like can also cast spells. I think it's a healing character. And I, I can't remember if it's in just the sequel 
or if it's in both of them, but it's this the the nicest little tiny quality of life thing that I don't know if I've ever seen any other game quite do is um it's a baby dragon, so it does not have a physical attack. It does not have a strong physical attack. But if there is one enemy left in the enemies you're fighting and it has three or fewer hit points, uh, it gets a free turn and just, like, breathes a little tiny puff of fire at the guy <laughs> and kills him. <laughs> Very good. Rad. And that's Earthbound. So, that's right. to switch gears. Good game. Why don't we talk about the game of Earthbound? Love um, to. Great game. It seems to be a great game. And maybe we can say, like, uh, as a way of leading up to the part of the game we're talking about today, uh, do, do you remember your impressions of the game up to this point? Like, had had there been an arc of what you already knew about it going in, and then did those feelings change as you got further? And uh, because, like, I've been trying to, on this podcast... Uh, formulate the theory that there is some manner of emotional arc or like storytelling arc, to, even though at a first blush, it mostly seems to be a, just an episodic adventure, adventure, adventure sort of thing. But perhaps you had a unified experience with a thesis statement or something. And now you can talk. Okay. So when you say up to this point, do you mean like from the moment of my birth up until I started playing Earthbound or from the moment I started playing Earthbound up until the the part of the game that y'all are discussing now or or some mix in between? The second one. Okay. Um So my preconceptions going in were and I uh I I think actually Sarah said this on the last episode that I heard, which I think was about two or three episodes ago from the, 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 the current listener's standpoint, uh, is that if you've heard anything about Earthbound, it was the Mr. Saturns. Uh, or if you know, if you know yeah. any single thing, it's the Mr. Saturns. And that, that was true for me. So I knew about their, their little signature dudes. And I also knew about Ness from Smash Brothers and the, the blonde guy from Smash Brothers who was not actually in this game. I guess he's in the sequel. Uh... And yeah, so that's, that's all I knew. I didn't know, I'm pretty sure I didn't know anything else about the story. Uh, I thought I knew some stuff, but apparently everything I knew was in Mother 3, by, by way again, <laughs> from Smash Brothers. Like I was ex- expecting, <laughs> like, I guess it, it's, it's not a spoiler to talk about things that do not happen in the game. Uh, sure. Oh yeah, well here's another and thing. And you can spoil, we can spoil everything on this podcast. Yeah, we're not spoiling. I don't want to. You keep Spoiler. asking me to. I'm not going to do it. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'm still, look, I gotta, I gotta stay true to myself and, and, and okay. it's, it's not even gonna, it's not even gonna come up. It's not, a, it's not gonna, uh, when we talk about preconceptions, um, for, and I'm going to talk about from my, my birth until now, I'm sorry. Uh, I know you requested otherwise, but this, this is leading up to a point and we're all going to discover what that point is together. Um, occasionally on social media, I would see just someone having like basically a shower thought about Earthbound or possibly Mother 3, because again, both of these games are the same in my head. Um, and just post a screenshot saying, I'm thinking about this thing that happened. And, uh, 
two things I, I remember, and I was looking forward to both of them happening, and neither of them happened because they're probably both from Mother 3 again. Uh, one is the, the bit where uh, I'm talking about the wrong game. I'm just going to keep going. But it's it's the same character. It's um, Pokey, and he's the bad guy in yeah. Mother 3, right? He comes back. And there's a bit where he's sealed in a in a machine uh, at at the end. And, it, and there's this very sad text about how Dr. What's-His-Face, who's also from Earthbound, see, I'm keeping it somewhat relevant, I forget his name, but seals him in this in this machine that protects him uh, from everybody. But see, the, the point is it also protects the entire world from him as well. And um, it, it is, it is the, the, the writing that expresses this to you is very poignant and sad and makes you feel sympathetic to this gross villain. Uh, but that, again, does not happen in Earthbound. Mm. Uh, and then there's another part where you see a sign and, uh, you just reflect on the sign and you thank the sign for being a good sign. And I, that might not even be this game, but my point is this, I knew that earthbound was a game, which even though neither of these things happened in it, uh, had a reputation for being, for having, uh, excellent, very emotional, very subtle and effective writing. And I did see that right from the start, and I was cued to expect that by, pardon the self-reference, the first episode of this podcast, which I listened to all the way through before starting to play the game. And um, just y'all mostly talked about the character creation and playing the character creation music in the background and the, the, the guy who says, okay, every time you make a choice. Uh, mm-hmm. That sold me on it right there, right? Um, so that primed me for a really special experience. And I, and I, I have to say, I totally got that right. I did not necessarily expect, uh, such a text driven experience as I got, uh, which I, it, Hmm. you know, to plug my own, (laughs) uh, not podcast work. I've, I've been mentioning on other streaming, uh, text adventure games I've been playing recently, but yeah, this, like this game is, is super texty. And, um, the ways, as far as like a thesis for how it all hangs together, I actually agree with the, the thesis that's been put forward on this show. And I suppose reflects decades of conversations up to this show that, uh, boy, it really is a big hash, isn't it? It really is a big jumble of stuff. Uh, and the main way that that appeared to me is specifically how you set up very quickly with this, okay, it's going to be your quest to collect the eight what's-its. Here we go. You're going to collect the eight pieces of the thingamabob. Okay, I'm ready to do it. And you immediately get one piece. And I think you might get a second piece. And then, like, the game goes a long time and seems to, like, forget uh, that you're supposed to be doing this. And it doesn't matter because all this other interesting stuff happens. And then you go to Canada. Apparently it's England, but I thought Jeff was in Canada this whole time. <laughs> I uh, also thought it was like more Canada as a kid. It, there's a case to be made. Yeah. But it, I, well, you know, England yeah, makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Because what they said, like, well, here's Stonehenge. It does, but it doesn't but I didn't, feel right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just thought I'm, I'm with you it on was this. like a mini golf course <laughs> or something. It's like, yeah, here's Stonehenge. I'm like, whatever, dude. Sure. There it is. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just a the main thing that just impressed me was just this this game was just a big pile of stuff and it didn't seem to care that it was wandering around because I was having a blast. 
Um, and this is not the only touch point I had going in, but the game that it's been, it reminded me a lot of that I've played most recently, which is a brand new game, right, in, in the adventure game world. And I do not have the, the designer's name off the dome, and I'm not going to look them up right now, but uh, the game Norco, uh, the graphical adventure oh, yeah. game. Mm. I'm curious if anyone, you've played this, Zach? I have played Norco. Norco's amazing. It's a fantastic it's game. By, uh, is it Society of Robots? What's the new? I'm looking it up. Thank you for looking it up. I appreciate that. Because um, I care enough about this game to look it up. And I'm not going to say Geography of Robots. Oh, ho. thank you. Um, it, it is not like a direct uh, Earthbound homage. It's not like uh, Undertale or no. whatever. But one does see... I mean, obviously, it, it is. it has Earthbound DNA in it just for being an adventure game that was made 20-odd years later. Um, and there are some direct connections between unusual things that happen in Earthbound and unusual things that happen in Norco that got me very excited, at least one of which I would like to talk about today. And I don't know if it's, if it, if it's an event that has occurred in this game specifically as, as y'all are playing it so far, so maybe we will get into spoilers. But just this whole attitude that both of these games have, for example, uh, they're not the only two examples, but just like, yes, you're a character... You're on a quest and you're doing video gamey stuff, which is to say, I need to collect the Hoosits. And there's multiple characters, and your your point of view jumps around. But the the pacing of it is like intentionally uncertain in a way that is extremely interesting to me. And as a player, I found myself not distrusting the game because every time it took a digression and then a digression from its digression, it was always very interesting. Uh, and I was willing to go along with that. Um, and one other thing occurs to me, you can, you can interrupt at any time, by the way. I'm just, <laughs> should, should I just uh, take a little, we don't interrupt on this water? podcast. Okay. Um, he, he's like, please interrupt. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I'm so, I'm really parched y'all. I got a cup of tea right here, but, uh, I'm trying not to slurp it without my mute button. Um, it's funny to think about those two, Norco and Earthbound in relation, just because I hadn't really put those two together. But yeah, no, it's, they're both achieving, I was going to say they're trying to achieve different ends, but also kind of not. They're about different things, but they're both very text-driven games about situations in the same way. They are text-driven games about situations, that is true. Which, um, that sounds stupid when I say it that way, but like... It, I'm trying to think of some games that aren't about situations. No, no, no. Actually, I, I, I did not mean to, to <laughs> reflect your words no, back no, 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 in no. a crass manner. Uh, yes, please go on. No, I'm just I'm rotating this thought in my mind now about these two games being connected. I mean, I almost, you know, I don't, I don't know it much about the development of the game, but I bet that a lot of it came from playing a lot of old. Yeah, RPGs. I mean, uh, and yeah, it's got the DNA in there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like it has some like direct references. Actually, at the end, it has like direct uh, references, like Final Fantasy VI. I think (laughs) towards the end, and the the way the graphics are. Hmm. But yeah, you know, it's Hmm. it's all pixely and whatever. Um, But also, it yeah, it's got it's got combat mechanics, but it plays them very loose, and they're meant to be like kind of fun and silly and surprising in the way that like Earthbound often is. Um, it's very like the low one... effort combat in the same way that Earthbound can be at times, where it's like the, the combat's just here uh, to serve as 
the the wheels that you are spinning to get to the next thing and sometimes yeah and i think it it, next situation. it picks up what earthbound was doing as far as like uh combat as a way to move this and like actually having storytelling happen in the middle of of combat in surprising ways and refining that so like there aren't m- many combats in um norco for example there's there's only a few you don't grind um no i think there may be experience points i don't even remember um but it's like it doesn't matter because i also do not remember it yeah right right um but yeah just uh i've lost that thread but i can tell you well (laughs) hmm. the specific thing the specific thing that like really triggered the norco thoughts in my head were it was this uh have you gotten to the part in earthbound Okay, wait. Have have we rescued? This is Polly after because we're gonna do we're gonna do. Uh, Paula just got kidnapped. Oh, she just got we're kidnapped. We're gonna do a part okay. of the game. Then we're gonna do a part of the game. Then we're gonna go into a building. Then we go up to the top of the building. Yeah. And then there's this fight with a robot. Yeah. And it's the it's that very robot fight that I want to talk about, but I don't want to to get ahead. That's of That's why I set you up for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, talk about. Well, thank it. you. Discuss the robot fight. Uh, is that the robot fight which which ends with? Uh, there's, there's, it says suddenly some guys burst into the room. Yes. Is that the fight? I want to point something out about the pacing that isn't obvious, especially to a new player. All right. Please, please. The, one of the robot's moves is it eats a bologna sandwich and that restores all of its HP. Yeah. <laughs> you remember this? No. Okay. But I remember it being a very right. annoying fight. So. It's very annoying. And I think it seems more annoying because... The robot keeps replenishing all of its HP every time it eats a bologna sandwich. And the thing is, the game is lying to you because, like, either it might be set up this way or it might be set up an equivalent way. After you've dealt enough damage to the robot, then the ending of the fight is triggered regardless of how many times it has, quote unquote, restored all its HP. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible that the restored all its HP message is uh, a fake. It, it's, it, it's HP is still as low as it was before. And they're just trying to mess with you because that's how you set up the solution to the fight being something else. Mm. But it works like any other enemy where you do X amount of damage and then it's over. But instead of blowing up or becoming tame or coming to its senses, what happens instead is... Uh, some guy suddenly burst into the room. Yeah, and that's literally <laughs> the text that you see, and and that's the text that appears in the status window with like uh, you know uh, 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 I almost said Jornk hits because that's my guy's name. Uh, what's his name? Ness. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, I think his name is Ness. Smash Bros. Guy. Ness. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't want to talk about my characters' names. That's they were very personal to me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, in that in that status field, you get this this message. Uh, suddenly, some guys burst into the room, and there's all this storytelling in there because the Runaway Five, who you help earlier, and uh, and they and they tell you, will will I don't know exactly what they say, but they they imply that you have not seen the last of them. They they will come back in your time of need, and here they are to save your bacon from this robot that keeps eating bologna. And all this stuff happens in the in this text. And I took a screenshot of suddenly some guys burst in the room because that is just transcendent to me. That is so good. <laughs> and the fact that it is in that in that combat UI, in the same yes, combat. Exactly. Font. 
At no and, point does the game try and like bloat in sprites of them on screen because the game is not going to move outside of the modes that it's already like created. Yeah, it's like we're not going to yes. implement new code to bring guys into the room. No, no, no. We're just going to do it through text, like everything else that we do. It's very yeah. good. Um, and that reminded me of Norco because Norco also does this thing that subverts the combat UI while refusing to let you leave the combat UI. In ways yeah. that make you, uh, instead of making you joyful, they, they well, at, the first one is joyful, and then after that, they're, they're kind of, like, scary and off-putting and uh, frightening, because this game, like Norco, like, the mood is very different from Earthbound. It's not, uh, like, you are playing a kid, you're playing an older kid, who, you know, is having a very troubled life, uh, trying to save their family um, in, in a, in a kind of dystopian modern environment. Uh, so the, the the mood is very different. It's a lot more nervous. So there's two places in Norco. Uh, even before you get to that, the very first actual combat you have with like a, a that is meant to be like a person that you're fighting in the world. Like you can see their their portrait, uh, which is just there. I'm talking to a person portrait. And then when the combat starts, they just start weaving back and forth. Like they're just like a puppet on yeah. a popsicle stick. And that's yeah. meant to be like, oh, they're they're in a boxing stance now, and they're just like kind of weaving back and forth, and like, oh, that's really good. Just that is good. But then later, there's a combat you have against. I don't even remember what you're just doing the combat against a thing like a security droid or something, and like a guy shows up and he waves at you, and he kind of like winks and he starts walking around, and this this is an important NPC who you've been like uh, keyed to be on the lookout for. And he shows up in the middle of this combat and he can see you're busy. So he starts, he starts like kind of like teasing you about it. And, yeah. but he doesn't say a word and the game doesn't acknowledge him. He's, he's just, he's just kind of in the background. He's like, Hey, and you like, and, uh, that's, that's very good. Like, and that's like the same thing as what's going on in earthbound, but just wordless, right? It's just mm-hmm. using the game's own, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, graphical style and animation, very minimalist animation style to express, Something something bizarre is happening in this combat, but you're distracted and you're locked into this, and that is super good. And I saw these specific two things holding hands across uh, 25 years, and that is deeply exciting to me. <laughs> hmm. uh, people should play Norco. It's good. Yeah, that that game is amazing. That. It's it incredible. Like people should play Norco. Can I circle back and just mention you? You, you talked about how Smash Bros is kind of your vector to even like. <laughs> knowing about Earthbound, and that's always been endlessly fascinating to me as somebody that like knew Earthbound years, uh, not that many years, but years before Smash Bros was a thing that existed. And I know that's yeah. like a very common way for people to get into it or like become aware of it culturally. And that's just always really entertaining. And it's really fun to think about how you ended up cluing into a lot more Mother 3 things because that's kind of what was contemporaneous to a lot of the smash bros games coming out and that's just very entertaining it's Mm. smash bros as like an entity that is like accumulating video game culture and in some ways like i'm gonna say canonized but i don't mean in like a video game way i mean like a elevating it to a like a catholic way like a catholic way (laughs) archbishop sakurai yeah um like ends up like dictating what people what the main things people know from games are and what that ends up being yeah. is extremely fascinating to me it's like 
this is what people know about these video games because this is what made it into Smash Brothers, which is mm. the thing that tells you about all video games. <laughs> all and video just, games. Yeah, you you know, you, one knows Ness from this, and one knows that he can do PK Fire, which is not what it's called in Earthbound. He cannot. Also, he cannot yeah. use PK Fire. <laughs> yeah. First of all, he can't use PK Fire, and secondly, it's Sci Fire, or is or PSI Fire, as you all seem to call it, which is fine. Um, it's, maybe it's I'm the PK one in, in it Japanese. Really. That. It's PK in Japanese. That's why. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Do we do we say Psy or or PSI? I've always said PSI, except when I say PK. Yeah, I I, I have PSI trouble PSI saying Psy. Why don't we say? Psy? I'm gonna go with PSI then. No, <laughs> it, I'm, I'm the odd it one. It sounds out here. strange. Yeah. I feel like me and a sibling always said psychic. <sighs> we just Fire. pronounced it fully as psychic. Ah. I like that. We were like, say, instead of That's using fine. the abbreviated version, we just say the whole thing. Psychic but we're fire. not here to tell people how to talk. Oh, I, I, yeah. I understood Everyone it as should feel free to for... discuss these things however they want. Although, I do insist that we say pokey on this podcast and not porky. Yeah, that's Correct. Fair. This is an Earthbound okay. podcast. Keep that other stuff yeah. out of here. Um, yeah, no, just interesting to hear about. Uh, and that's also how I knew about um, the town that the action begins in, which is one of the, uh, the 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 arenas, the battle arenas in various Smash Brothers games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a the, cool And how do you na- say the name of that town? How do you say it? Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't... No one help him. Uh, uh, okay. So if, were, I, were I pronouncing it before playing Earthbound? <laughs> I I would have said mm-hmm. Onet. I would have said Onet. Hmm. But it's having played through the like I didn't know the the wordplay it was setting up until I was playing this game, and I have to say like there's a strong argument for uh for going a uh, uh, one one et. I don't know about want. That's a, that's a little too blunt. <laughs> um. But I try I, not to know, say it. I, I don't think I've heard one et ever before. I started calling I it we discussed... after uh, after realizing that the towns were numbers numbered. Okay. But yeah, okay. I don't think I could do it anymore. I remember being repulsed by one et like decades ago, but I don't care anymore. It's fine. No, I I, I kind of like one et, which I don't think we've discussed on this podcast before. But want is like. No, it's I remember that. seeing that as someone someone trying to say that was like the canon pronunciation, and it's forever been the a bad decision. But why don't we take a trip, whoosh, through first town, through second town, past third town, and three point five desert into the Fifth wonderful town. city of Forside. Oh, where on previous episode we did the very hard dungeon of climbing up to the top of a mall and fighting a weird alien. Did the not alien like that guy. said he's a tough I one. I love that guy. He's so cool. <laughs> I uh, we talked about how he has one of the best lines in the game. Squarg. <laughs> that is a good too. line. It's a good line. Obsessed with Guar said, as an exclamation as a kid. Gotta say. <laughs> By now, Paula should be Monotoli. 
or however we pronounce that. And so I guess our mission for the rest of this game or for this part of the game is to go to Manotoli and get Paula. Oh, we didn't go there yet. That's right. Well, let's go to Monotoli. Yeah, what do we do next? Well, he's got a okay. building with his name on it. Yeah. Easy puzzle to solve. And the the interior of the building is fantastic. They pull out this visual style that they don't use for anywhere else of just this soul-deadening, like, like dusty almost... It feels ill uh, Corporate atmosphere. Yeah. The lighting is bad in this office building. And you get to take the elevator to the 47th floor where there is another elevator that goes up to the top floor. But there's also um, a suite of offices over here. And you can walk past some bodyguards to an office where... Pokey Minch is just hanging out in this lavish gold office with a desk that's taller than he is. He's got a new sprite where he's all dressed all fancy. Yeah. Who gets a new sprite in this video game? Nobody. And he's, uh, I guess, I guess nesting. His mouth is closed for the first time as opposed to being slack jawed. <laughs> hey, good point. And he uh, pretends he doesn't remember your name and calls you Pig's Butt, I think. And talks about how, uh, what does he say He exactly? says, ooh la la, ooh la la. <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember this yeah. because I kept revisiting him because I thought, like, I, I visited him very early on. Uh, it's like as soon as I unlocked this. And then I uh, right. <laughs> I kept revisiting him thinking he would say something different after I did something or other. And he just kept ooh la la at me and making fun uh. of me. Even more infuriating. Just the worst. Can, it's, it's funny you can just keep getting kicked out. I, I kept doing yeah. that. Like, yeah. They let you back in. and They just let you back yeah. in every time. <laughs> he just likes And they say specifically, he's like, never, uh, yeah, don't, don't get in our boss's sight again if you know what's good for you. <laughs> yeah. You can just wander back. And when you talk to them otherwise, one says, get away from me, kid. And the other one says, you won't get away from me, kid. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. There's a guard on the outside. And also, and like, oh, I almost beat you up there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pokey's dad, Aloysius, is also in the next office over. He's a uh, uh, very, he, due to his son's success, he, he now lives the life of a rich man. So I remember now why I ran back to Onet, um, or maybe this was a separate trip. But of course, I needed to go back to the Minch residence to see what's going on with Picky and Lardna. Mm. Lardna is nowhere to be seen at this point. Oh. Picky is still up in his room, like staring at his bed, saying, I don't want to look at the meteorite anymore. Oh. Poor guy. That's interesting. So I know, I know that, that later on, there's going to be, you know, you can come back here and stuff has actually transpired. There's new but... things that happen later. I would have expected something to happen by now, but I guess not. Mm -hmm. I guess it happens after this yeah. section. There's I an guess. NPC with a really good name that shows up later that we'll get to. Oh, geez. 
I I'm excited to say I don't know what you're talking about. <gasps> you don't remember? Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm sealing my lips on this one. Okie dokie. Anyway, uh, this, this is a dead end. It's a complete dead end. No clues to we be We don't found. even get any clue about where to go next. We need to, like, do more random wandering around town. Now, some people in Forside will say, you know, Monotoli has been sighted at Jackie's Cafe. Although more people will say, there's no way Monotoli would ever go to Jackie's Cafe. But either way, I think that's where we should go next. And it's this... Uh, Depending on who you are, some people claim this is clearly a bar that got localized into a cafe. But I could, like, you know, as a kid, I was like, sure, it's a cafe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's pretty believable as a cafe. I like that this NOA classic tradition of turning any booze reference into coffee. In, in in 2023, it's really quaint and kind of charming Yeah, to be like, oh, man, I'm so wasted off my caffeine buzz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, there's, it's, this, there's this one little sprite that I that uh, clued to me that is like, yeah, this this is clearly a a a, a cross a uh, a drug softening localization because, uh, yeah, he's clearly meant to be like a little salary man. And he's like, uh, he, and he clearly has a, a beer mug, which he keeps lifting mm-hmm. to his mouth again and again forever. Mm. No, that's and his latte. Like, mm. Yeah, that's exactly. And he's like, this latte I'm drinking is so foamy or whatever. And uh, yeah, and he appears a few <laughs> times and he's always talking about his, his, his hot caffeinated beverage that is brown, light brown in a clear glass. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's, it's wrapped back around so much that this is just really charming to me to run into this in a video game. It's like, aw. They did the old thing. That's cute. It is good. Uh, you have to talk to like a specific person in here. Oh, I want to say the music in here is really good. Jackie's Cafe's song is Mm -hmm. just kind of a bass line with like a bunch of noise layered on top of it. And I love noise. Yeah. And probably like a specific, like that must be, or maybe it's sampling something because Oh, there's a there's a sample coming up that is a big deal that I forgot to research. So you might hear me clickety clacking as I really quick find out what that is. But yeah, the music in here is weird. The jukebox is fake. Uh, Great. I love this jukebox. I think this jukebox was a really big influence on me because you check out the jukebox and it says, seems like it's just for decoration. And I feel like in games I've made, one of my favorite things to do is to say, here's a thing. And then you look a little closer and it says, oh, it's uh, it's not it's a fake thing. Just like a really basic beat Hmm. that says something about the world, you know, I did that in a Dungeons and Dragons game one time where I was using a battle map that had a big dragon skull on it. But it was just because that was a useful map and. Mm-hmm. The players were like, what's up with the cool dragon skull? And I'm like, it's decorative. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> kind of a different uh, thing, though. Well, and but like it, it talking about Earthbound, the modern world is kind of a veneer. Uh, these hallmarks of the Halcyon 50s are 
just, you know, plastic shells that are painted to look like the wonderful world that we think we remember. Anyway, another classic line that kind of messes with my head is, is this a person you have to talk to no. who says there's a loud noise outside? Oh, yeah. I thought you to? were going to talk about oh. the guy that says uh, the classic line, don't you think it's natural for a guy like me to be here? No. Okay, but that guy's great. Uh, my The line that is burned into my brain is this woman is standing next to the wall, and she says, there's a loud noise outside. Must be the seventh inning stretch, and the fans are singing, take me out to the ball game at the stadium. I don't know what it is about this sentence. Must be the seventh inning stretch, and the fans are singing, take me out to the ball game. It feels like a really David Lynchian thing is it just because it's maybe like saying the whole action out loud it's not just like oh it sounds like the stadium oh it sounds like this it's like saying it sounds like yeah like there's singing. way too much detail yeah that's a good point yeah it's like telling a i think story. it also has to do with like the fact that she's describing in detail the sound that i can't hear and is that true i don't know i didn't hear anything I feel is that I feel like layered in all that noise is take me out to the ball game in the Jackie's Cafe mm. song. That is worth in- investigating. Well, there, there I think is a that's Star Spangled but... Banner. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. It's the Star Spangled Banners. You can hear it in the Jackie's Cafe theme. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I thought this person was referring to the noise outside of people gathered around what appears to be a dead body. Uh, yeah. That's what it is. That's what it actually okay. is. Okay. But then there actually is the Star Spangled Banner in the this is a this is a deeply layered game. Yeah. Difficult to understand. Impossible to fully analyze on a stupid podcast. Who would even try? I guess we should go outside and find out what that noise is. But before we go outside, I, I can make Yes. Uh, one comment. So uh, I had visited this. Uh, I got a little bit stuck in this area, uh, I guess. Yes. In, in the sure. dead end. Because um, I came here early because someone points to this cafe. is like, I think Monotoli hangs out here. Like pretty mm. much someone says that as soon as you get to Foreside. Um, yeah, yeah. So you can go here and nothing happens. But there is this one guy who's like, yeah, why, why shouldn't I be here? It's totally normal. And I'm like, oh, so that guy is clearly important. And that might be like Monotoli in disguise. And I, he's mm. going to be super important later. So I better keep my eye on him. Uh, so that that was a uh, that, that was a that was a a a, a false uh, a false herring, as I like to call them for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is outside? Oh, it's a dead guy. outside. Oh, it's a dead guy. Or There's a it? bunch of people crowded around a guy lying on his floor, lying on his back in an alley. Yeah. And they're all kind of talking about, is he dead? Or like, they're, no one wants to say the word dead, but that's what they're all thinking. And one of the pe- people crowded around is like, I'll let you in if you give me something. <laughs> and he's not very picky about what you give him. This is a cool part. I, like I gave part. him a defense spray. <laughs> I might have given him a condiment. I forget. Condiments are perfect for this sort of thing. Mm. Uh, later on, 
if you talk to him again, he's like, remember, I'm the one who helped you talk to your friend. Yeah. As if he's trying to, like, transitive property put himself in your adventure. Like, give himself importance. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I get that. Uh, but I, uh, when I get through the crowd, I'm able to recognize who this dead guy is. It's Everdred from Tucson. What the? What is he doing here? Gasp. I totally did not. Re- did you actually recognize his sprite? Like, is, is, is this literally yeah. true? Okay. It had been, it that, had been too long it's for Everdred. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, and he kind of... he. T- t- reminds you well yes it's me we met in tucson everdread from berkland park you must remember i'm the best thief around that carpenter in happy happy village was hiding something wheeze wheeze strange i stole it and thought about selling it in the big city now remember that when we saw master belch and defeated him master belch said gygus has already succeeded in getting the mani mani statue into foreside and now we see the mechanism by which Gygus accomplished this by, I guess, influencing Everdread into stealing the Mani Mani statue and, like, psychically giving him the idea, sell this in the big city. Oh, he was incepted. An old city-wise man called it Mani Mani. It's a strange colored doll-looking thing. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, oh, I'm in pain, and... Manitoli tricked me and stole it from me. He tricked a thief. He wanted me out of the way because I know his secret. He gets his evil power from that statue. Listen, I'll tell you only once. At the cafe, check behind the (laughs) counter. I said I'd tell you only once, but if you insist, I'll tell you once more. Gasp, gasp. Do you, do, do, do you want to hear it again? We haven't had one of these in a while. Uh, It's very exciting. No. Call back to BuzzBuzz. Yeah. No, buzz, buzz. Wait a second. I'm looking in the text up. How many times did you ask him to tell you again? I absolutely Uh, asked him. One. So that's three times total. Okay. He says, I've told you twice already, but (gasps) if you want to hear one more time, I'll tell you once more. Do you want to hear it again? Mm -hmm. And then he says, I, I assume this is if you ask him to tell you a third time, he says, I'm not that nice of a guy. (laughs) besides i'm slipping away before i go here's my last haiku poem when you're on your way out be sure that you say goodbye then lock the door tight and then he says don't follow me i must be on my way and he gets up and like pushes through the crowd and then kind of like asserts himself at some women and then wanders off into the woods presumably to perish yeah i couldn't remember if he dies or not i was like it's really not clear i thought this was like before i go like before i die here's my poem and then the joke was that he gets up and walks away yeah i i I didn't i didn't see him as being in any peril at all i thought he was just screwing around because he's a wild and crazy guy he's like oh i'm dying uh here's here's my death poem okay bye see you smell you later that's 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 how I, does he actually say haiku because uh that actually like you know if you count it out it, it is a um it's it, it is a haiku oh, yeah. some yeah. would argue it is not a legitimate haiku because the, i do not believe it has a seasonal reference in it so oh, no yeah. and if you don't have a seasonal reference then it's uh, just a scenario wow 
I, I learned I it as the, a spam uh, haiku, but I like that term better. <laughs> I think the confusion is that I always remember that there is an Everdread ghost sprite in the game that doesn't get used. Hmm. I oh, think that's that what for, I was confusing. Is that from like... Uh, was he supposed to join your party? Like, And that was cutting room floor no. at some point? That's why he's a ghost? I don't... I don't think so. I think why else would maybe... there be a ghost fight? I think it's possible that he ghost? could have joined your party. Maybe that's also a very good thing. We don't really know why the ghost sprite was hmm. drawn. That's fascinating. I think that it's it's definitely um, it's meant to be uh, implied or ambiguous or hidden that Everdread does die after this uh, because. Every first of all, everyone here is like, "Oh, is he? Is he? Uh, is he going to be okay? Is that man going to to d- dot 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 question mark?" When you go back to Tucson after this, the people are like, "There's one guy who refuses to believe that Everdread is dead, and there's another guy who says, or like, even if he is gone, um, uh, what Everdread is gone? That's crap. Don't believe it." And the other guy says, even if Everdread has passed on, he'll keep watch over us from from wherever he's at. <laughs> I love when the game says crap, because that's a word that I always <laughs> thought was a swear word as a child. And then over sure, time we... realized, like, a lot of kids media uses crap. Uh, they can say crap in Homestar Runner, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And it shows um, up a couple times in this game. I forget how it many. does. I, how I many times exactly? At least three. Four. I knew it once at one point, but I forgot that how. line. Oh wait, uh, one of the in the text dump when I searched for crap, it showed up four times. But one of them was for when an enemy is totally scrapped. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> the other thing is the um, if you one of the uh, newspaper headlines from Foresight is on or on page 23 of the foresight post when you happen to go to the hotel at some point after this lonely demise in the city long-haired man with beard sunglasses and a aloha shirt found in street oh. oh my oh no which is stating pretty unequivocally that he died that, yeah. that they found him if they're referring found him chilling wow. found him yeah. reclining relaxed completely alive demise that's not there is a theory that i don't want to exactly like get into and defend or rebut on this podcast but let's mention it that everdread is actually ness's dad oh i don't remember this at all but Mm, that doesn't make any sense because you talked to ness's dad after this many times well but if he's on the, the ghost phone or if he's just, or if he faked his death, like it, I don't know why you have a reason to believe this in the first place. But once you do, you can make it work. The, the, the <laughs> I guess that's true. Just get weirder as you go. So the the telephones already have <laughs> a wire into the ineffable, into the uncanny. That's true. That's true. Hmm. We should check out that thing that the maybe dead guy told us to check out. Oh yeah. Nah. Let's approach like the cool part of the game. Go behind <laughs> the, we'll go the, the counter. Cool 
and check out the just the wall of coffee accoutrements that every cafe needs and the text box just says question mark question mark question mark is it spaced out like that or through time it it's spaced out through time they slow it down yeah yeah i want to point out and we'll have more cause to point this out one of the great things about how earthbound uses text is all text in the overworld is the same box Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whether it's your internal monologue or the narrator explaining something to you or a call on the phone or an npc talking it all gets treated the same it's not like you get a portrait of the guy or you get their name showing up like saying as a a, in a stage screenplay this is who's talking and they are aware of that they are able to use that ambiguity to create cool effects and so one of the cool effects is like the question marks aren't portrayed as like coming out of ness's head you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah it's who like who is saying the question marks of the is game that, yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah 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 is that like the the narrator it's like something so strange is happening that the narrator is like what's this what uh and in look at other media that use text or even that use language if you tried to do that on a tv show there wouldn't be a way of expressing linguistically at least this kind of voiceless like this sourceless voice Mm -hmm. um even in a comic book which arguably is playing by the same rules as earthbound you'd have to put that like the way you positioned those question marks on the page would imply something about where those question marks are coming from. But here it's just voice. And so it becomes this much creepier, more ambiguous message than it would if you had to ascribe a source to that voice. That is, that is super good. Yeah. I mean, that, that ties into like my excitement about the end of the robot fight and also exactly. Yeah. And also just like how that actually really puts a finger on the relationship I see between this game and like more just pure text, like interactive fiction is that, yeah, like so, oh, yeah. so much of the story happens in the text box that, that that's just, mm-hmm. that's just a really clean way of putting it. And you can, if you're writing interactive fiction, you can learn from this in earthbound to like, think about wh- like, where is the narrative voice coming from? And is it helpful to define that as like a specific thing? Cause sometimes in IF, you can do really interesting things with deciding that the narrative voice is this specific character or this specific perspective. And so it has access to certain information or it doesn't. Uh, but also being ambiguous about that lets you do cool things as well. So then we appear in a different version of the cafe. It's like a fluorescent. It's, it's, a, it's a world made out of just fluorescent lights and darkness neon noodles yeah <laughs> uh this is moonside this is moonside um, this is another dungeon-ish area because we're doing the mm-hmm. thing where we've talked about how earthbound the game presents the town space and the like hostile space 
as having fuzzy borders, and now the yeah. borders have collapsed, and there are just enemies everywhere. Everywhere. And you're everywhere. in what amounts to a shop in yeah. Moonside, and there is a monster just walking around among the NPCs who have funny things to say to me. Yeah. You go walk into the hospital, there are enemies there. Uh, this is uh, kind of a, a culmination of this theme that they've been working with uh, so far in the game. Um, the other central mechanic here that I'm just going to jump straight into is we discover by talking to the NPCs here in the cafe is that everything is backwards here. So no means yes and yes means no. And this is a like genius way of creating this central gameplay mechanic out of the already existing parts of the game. Like yeah. we talked very about. restricted existing parts. Yeah, at no point are they going to we, we I talked about a little bit. Like the game doesn't create new systems. It's using the systems it already has and by doing this just reversal it creates this incredibly off-putting mm-hmm. like feeling but it's also entirely intuitive for the player. It's like juvenile. Yeah. 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 In a way that the game has like danced with before and doing other stuff. Um, the game has made multiple jokes already about as an RPG protagonist, the only thing you can do other than hit things with a bat is say yes or no. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And so we're going to, like, your other way of, like, your role-playing way of interacting with the game, we're going to do that, we're going to mess with that, and it's going to be the personality of this whole place. It's really cool. Now the mushroom is on your head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are a lot of guys in, like, I, I think of them as muscly guys with sunglasses, who are willing to say, they say hello and goodbye, which in Bizarro World means goodbye and hello. And then they teleport you to somewhere else in Moonside. This is so unsettling. There's everything here is unsettling. You have, you don't have the same agency. You can't just walk around to places. You have to get warped around. Mm -hmm. Enemies everywhere. And they're really fast. (laughs) Uh, the, the the enemies like take a step up in creepiness as well. Yeah, they're, they're all weird enemies. They're all represented by like a fire seen... sprite. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's that's creep. That's Jeez, like intentionally that's dangerous and scary. Um, because they used they've used the present sprites to represent an inanimate object is coming toward you, and now. These are more, you know, inanimate object enemies. It wouldn't be that out of place for, you know, the record to show up in Moonside or for the mm-hmm. uh, fire pump to show up in Foreside. Uh, but portraying them as fire walking around makes them mm. terrifying. And they have a series of, you know, some of their mechanics are more messed up than what we've seen elsewhere in the game. Yeah, Because you have the gasoline pumps that just count down to something horrible you have the melting clock that can stop time to pummel you and it stops the music (laughs) yeah it's that's nightmarish it's it's all like there's a super again twin peaks angle i think here definitely 
this is it's interesting <laughs> jeez a lot of um games and other media that have decided to be inspired by twin peaks when they want to do something like the red room from twin peaks the way they do that is they drape red curtains in a room and they have zigzags on the floor and people talk backwards mm. and like that's a that's what our inspiration from twin peaks here moonside is i i think we can all agree doing a red room sort of thing mm-hmm. i think it it's not uh out of line at all to say this might be very directly inspired by that but all the details are new different creative yeah yeah there's a lot of very earthbound specific uh creepy things that they managed to come up with yeah like in the text you're talking about like in like how when you talk to random npcs you just get little little snippets yeah the guy that says Nessus yeah. HP drops to zero. Jeff's yes. HP drops to zero. I was just gonna say that one. That's that's scary when you you know in the context of this game, it's like directly the dangerous thing to happen. But he's just saying it in a text box again, but it's not actually yeah. affecting it. But you could be fooled for like a split second, like oh right. my gosh, yeah, it's like a nightmare. The guy that Even specifically the... hates your favorite food. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then even and the yet, guy who just says, how about I sharpen you? I just love sharpening. What does that mean? <laughs> Why? No. The thing is, I think nightmarish is the perfect way to put it. I think that it's like on one hand trying to be completely alienating and like non-real. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think it's trying or it's being a fairly straightforward metaphor for the other side of the big city mm. that like there's one vision of new york city that's like metropolis it's like wow the soaring skyscrapers and progress and you know being very rich and then it gets dark and the neon lights turn on and suddenly nothing makes sense and everybody is out to get you mm. and you don't want to be there I think that it's describing what, especially for a kid, yeah. like it's it really straightforward terms. Here's how scary it is to be in New York City. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The people are antagonistic instead of just friendly and giving you like small talk. Yeah, absolutely. And even when they're not antagonistic, they're they're just confusing. Yeah. And yes. yeah, the whole thing is oddly colored and badly lit. And you can't, and people are trying to interact with you and they appear to be having a good time, perhaps at your expense, mm. but mm-hmm. and I was about to say nothing's actually harming you, but yeah, also weird monsters are attacking you. Yeah. So, but, but that's the normal part. Like that, that's the most comfortable and familiar thing is, well, at least there's <laughs> monsters here. Wow. You know what to do with those at least. <laughs> I mean, they're weird, but can still beat them up. Yeah, that's true. I got really stuck There's in this. Also, this is the, the first part of the game. I, I think, yeah, this is the first part I had to look up a hint about what to do next year. Mm. The map yeah. is like a nightmare to navigate, which is like intentional. Yeah, there's uh, all yeah. these invisible walls. So if you think you're going uh-huh. the right way, there's like the, the black wall and you have to find another way. And all the sunglasses guys send you to just different parts of the same map yeah. except for one particular sunglass guy who looks like all the others who's able to send you toward the critical path at this point in play replaying the game for this podcast i've kind of a 
abandoned online sources uh of walkthrough and i just i've just resorted to using the player's guide again because the player's guide still has the best map for like mm. who will teleport you where that i found mm. um that's cool because some of the online sources are just not as good yeah so i want to ask you all about the player's guide because uh i didn't know about it and oh. ryan mentioned it in an email to me and was this something that was packed in to the to the cartridge yeah. with the cartridge? You got it in the box. It came in a yes. big box. The video game was in a big box that had so the. And this isn't a special in- edition. This is the. This is how Earthbound was sold to everybody, at least in the states. Yeah, I did not know that. So I, I you sent me the the PDF, Ryan, and I acknowledge its presence. But it's like it felt weird to read it because I'm like, oh, this is too much information. I I don't want mm-hmm. this. So yeah. I I yeah. turned down uh, the you know that part of the legitimate um, uh, experience of playing this in the '90s. I'm like, you know what? I, this doesn't feel right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep feeling my way through this. No, and I don't think that it was. It's not like in Japanese they had the same deal, right? I I, I know, believe it was almost certainly not. Okay, that I believe was a, it was. They translated it and they said. I, I, I assume, like, I can't imagine what other justification they had. They're like, this game is too hard. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble if we don't, like, help people out. Like, there needs to be a... We need to give people the solution along with the game. I mean, now that... That has been my assumption for years and years. Now I'm thinking about it. It must have been so expensive to package... Th- like a a full like it's magazine yeah, it's, size it sounds like yeah. it's like, pretty I, thick I still haven't this is at also it, at the heyday um, yeah this is at the heyday of nintendo publishing this stuff too though so they had the engine to like create a player's guide where okay. they, they were yeah, putting out mag tons and tons of these magazines that are companion pieces to the games they were putting out in america specifically so they had the engine and you know this is a good candidate for a game you want to slap a guide with because it can be really esoteric and hard to follow its logic sometimes um but also i wonder how much of it was them itching to do a compilation like this anyways i don't and i I, and i have absolutely no data on if this made the game cost more or not i could ask my mom but she probably doesn't remember (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if it might have been like because they may have predicted that this game would not sell well (laughs) <laughs> but well, if they were like some of that's a little self-fulfilling but yeah uh but like if they I, I feel like one person may have made the case that packaging with the guide is like a value add it makes the box bigger it's gonna add to sales it's a really big box cannot emphasize <laughs> it enough it's it was ridiculous there's that episode of fraser where you can see a bunch of earthbound boxes in the background that ought it to was find so a screenshot of now. You could see it on Frasier. <laughs> you could see it on Frasier on standard definition television. It's as big as the Space Needle. That's right. <laughs> uh, what else do we have to say about? I almost said Foresight, but we're talking about the other one. It's Moonside. Moonside has its own version of the Dinosaur Museum. It does. Uh, oh, that guy loves and bones. obviously incomplete. Yeah, bones are great. Do you like bones too? You don't like bones? Bone, bone, bone. 
Do you know whose bones are on display here? The answer is your bones. <laughs> My bones. Bones, bones. Bone, bone, bone. This uh, this it was another big influence on me because like bone, bone, bone is something that I will mutter to myself sometimes. <laughs> Not a joke. Just something fun about Ryan. Well, this is one of the creepier things about Moonside to me. Our bones are on display in the dinosaur museum. It's like, yeah, it's just scary. I used to love that dinosaur museum. <laughs> Betrayed you. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, I guess. It's good, though. If you go in the hospital, the healer is where the doctor should be. Oh, oh yeah. Twisted. Um, yeah. And also the yes, no inversion applies to the hotel desk. Yeah. So you're like, I don't, oh, no, no, I don't really need to use a hotel. Yeah. But he's like, okay, I'll take your $150. <laughs> it's yeah, they'll, they'll get the you, commitment. too. <laughs> the bit only really works because there's a commitment to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the hospital, too, if you say yes or no. And I think in the in the now, on the telephone, if you save your game, or is there no telephone? No, because here? the the telephone the save game interface, it will it the choices are not yes and no; they're record and never mind or oh, something. Oh, okay. is, is that the reason leaving, why? So that it doesn't mess you up on a meta level in in Moonside? Could be. It would just be too much um, if they your may dad have written it. You do you like want that? to save? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's beyond. Well, your actual goal here, well, is mm. to get to Manny Manny. But if you go to try and get to Manny Manny, there's like a evil version of the Monotoli building, and you can see the Manny Manny statue. Uh, but there's a guy, like a, a boat captain, in the way. We don't know he's a boat captain yet, but he's a boat captain. Uh, he will not let you through. Unless he can meet the man with the is it with the man with the gold tooth who has connected eyebrows? Mm-hmm. That's right. Which is a very specific descriptor of a person. Uh, but finding said guy is like not obvious. Now, Jason, did you tell me that you were thinking that this must be referring to Pokey? I a hundred percent thought it was referring to Pokey. Because okay. he has that weird sprite where he like he has just yeah. a, like two lines on his face, right? Because his like he has a, like a at this point in the game he has like he has like a open and closed parentheses sideways, and that's his face, right? He has like a curve yeah. that is his eyes or eyebrow, and a curve that is his mouth. So I'm like, oh, I, I think guess one of those curves might be his nose. It's yeah, like he has a pug nose or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's but or a pig nose. Yeah, he's very he's very minimally rendered. And I'm like, well, I guess he could have a gold tooth in some way, and maybe that's a unibrow. It wouldn't be a surprise. And I don't know who else would would meet the the uh, the the criteria for this puzzle I am meant to solve. So, yeah, I think I I can you leave uh, Moonside and go back to Foreside because I must no. Oh, so I must have uh, cheated. You cannot wake up from. Yeah, no, I must have. How, why did I think I tried to solve this and it didn't work? Are you sure you can't? I no, I believe you. You say you can't, huh? Okay. No, I thought it was pointing at Pokey, and uh, I guess no. That's why I was stuck. I'm like, well, clearly I need to get back to Fort. Okay, that's why I was stuck. I was okay. obsessed that uh. you need to get back to Foreside with this knowledge and go visit Pokey again. 
and I could not. And I'm like, how? So I was, um, I was on the wrong religion there. I was like, how do I get back mm-hmm. to foresight? I need to look up how to do that. But I was mm-hmm. on the wrong path entirely. No, and who can blame you? Because the right path is get teleported by one guy to some obscure corner of the map where you can get teleported by another guy to another corner of the map and so on and so forth until some guy who, again, looks like all the other guys who can teleport you no, is willing to... What? This is the guy that looks different. Mm. Oh, there's the guy who looks different. And you get to the permission. very end of the chain. And he asks permission. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, not a bad like, puzzle be- in retrospect. Um, because but I didn't know it. Yeah, I didn't notice that each guy throws you to a, the vicinity of a different guy. Like I failed to see that. It's it it looked to me in my experience like I would talk to one guy and he would throw me at the same useless spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just I would it just can feel there. that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Are there not two guys that throw you to the same spot? I thought that that I fell for something like that. There's a group of three guys that will throw you to the same spot. Uh, evil. And they're, like, standing close enough that they can kind of wander in the vicinity of the guy that throws you where you need to go. Uh, yeah. It's it's not menacing. a fair puzzle. Yeah. No, it's bad. But it's good because it's bad. It's bad yeah. complimentary. Yeah. This is all very intentional. It's like the power glove. <laughs> a guy sends, a guy asks your permission and you're like, yes, please send me to the place I need to go. And he's like, okay, I won't. And you need don't. to remember the rules yeah. and say, no, don't send me to the place I need to go. And he says, okay. This is the final And he sends you to right a room. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Remembering <laughs> that you go. have to say no. It's happening. Uh, he sends you to a room with, you know, no doors. Where a Mr. T is walking around saying that he's very busy doing nothing. What, what does he say? Oh, he says, I have it here. Yeah. I'm really busy doing nothing, so I don't have time to talk to you. If you need something, talk to my partner. He's right over there. See? You mean you can't see him? Doesn't he say, I have no patience when people interrupt me doing nothing? That's when you come back to him. Okay, that's what I wrote down. There is a sprite walking around in here that is just black on black and very difficult to see. And you have to talk to this invisible person uh, who says, can you see me? And you say, no. no. And he says, ha, ah, you can, huh? You've become a real moon Sidian, haven't you? And then when you talk to Mr. T again, he uh, says, you're not going to find a door. Get on my face, loser. I have no patience when people interrupt me while I'm busy doing nothing. And he warps you to the hotel. And then something kind of interesting happens. Because as you try to leave the hotel text boxes start coming up saying hey it's me you can see me right there's something interesting about you so i'm going to follow you and then he like this voice points out that he has a gold tooth and his eyebrows are connected but again it's just the text box telling you this the fact that there's an invisible guy going around it's not like there's some effect on the screen that's like an invisible guy it's just the voice that all, the the box that is your intermediary for all the text in the game is saying, hey, I'm following you around. And you have to figure out that this is that invisible guy who is now well and truly invisible. He is not even a, a black sprite on the screen is talking to you. 
And he says the 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 traits that the boat captain is looking for, like over the next few minutes as you yes. walk around, he doesn't immediately say, "By the way, I have a gold tooth and a unibrow." He's just like, "Ha ha exactly. ha! You are so funny. You you make my single eyebrow wiggle. People people think my eyebrow <laughs> looks good. What do you think?" He like, he says something like that. He says, "Don't you yeah, think yeah. my eyebrows rock? Check them yeah, out. Okay. They're connected." Nice. It's awesome. <laughs> That is so good. He's, a, he's got a lot of character in his very few lines. Yeah, that guy's good. That that person of unknown gender or appearance is good. And uh, then you go back to the boat captain. He says, the Mani Mani statue is up ahead, but I'm going to stop you right there. Huzzah! You really surprised me. <laughs> You're the man whose eyebrows are connected and who has a gold tooth. How about we dump these kids and go get something to huzzah. drink? Boat captains do say huzzah. That's true. Huzzah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so he runs off, allowing me to approach the Monotoli building, the Mani Mani statue, and the creepy old guy who's worshipping in front of it. And if you talk to the creepy old guy, he's like, I'm I'm not Monotoli. Uh, go away. <laughs> and he, like, disintegrates or something. It's really creepy and good. He's like some weird monotoli vestige or something hmm. it's weird it's creepy that's that's really monotoli you think and he ran away he yeah. can teleport out yeah he can't clearly okay uh many many statues here we should check it out yeah it's that golden yeah, statue you've seen before it is a golden statue that you have seen before really ominous really good <laughs> and then you fight this statue and it plays the good song Yes. It's, um, let's talk, like, we, we've discussed briefly the Money Money statue. It looks like an Oscar statuette, but it has horns. Yes. And does the Oscar statuette have a sword? It's holding. No. No. I don't know. I don't know what that guy's holding. It shouldn't need a sword. It's, it's almost like it's holding something. Hold on. It might have a sword. It's yeah. It's got something in his hands that he's holding in front of him. That could be a sword. Or I forget if I mentioned pole. it on the podcast, but the uh, Hobonichi is actually sell or was selling like a physical Manny Manny statue you could buy. Wow. Have you se- have you seen this? No. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm, I'm dropping it in to. I'm gonna try it. No, I'm not gonna drop it in there because that's not how that works. How does Discord work? I don't know. I'll send it later. It's a, uh, it's not. It, it's weird. I saw somebody post pictures of the ones that they bought and took pictures of, and it didn't look as nice as the one uh, on the website, Hobonichi website. I was like, that the proportions of that are a little weird, but okay. Uh, but it's here. It's a boss now. It's a boss, and like it mostly uses psychic attacks on you, but it can't just attack like a normal beat you up attack. It uses not just any psychic attacks, though. Oh, yes? It uses your psychic special attack. You, Ness. Is this the guy that does that? Yeah. Okay. It didn't use that on me. I thought that maybe that was later. Uh, It must be, because I put it in my notes. It it must have happened to me, or else I wouldn't have put it in my notes, right? That's awesome. That didn't happen to me either, I don't think. I'm looking and, to be sure while, while we talk about it. Yeah, I think this is worth uh, 
You know what? As an enemy, it has PSI Magnet A, Paralysis A, Bash, emit a, emit a Pale Green Light, and Emit a Glorious Light. I think you're thinking about someone later on. I think I'm thinking about someone later on, but I, mm. why did I put it in my notes then? How, mess, how messed up is that? Maybe it just did That's one time up. in your game. Mm, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Anyways, uh, this guy's a scary boss, though. Yeah. Um... I was saving a big bottle rocket for it because I knew that it was mm-hmm. a problem. Were you saving the the big bottle rocket that Jeff has from the very beginning? It may have been, although I did buy a big bottle rocket later on. So who can say? I'm not doing. I didn't label the big bottle rocket like right. Mani Mani statue's name <laughs> on it. I, I, I then you beat it and it like falls apart and you find out that you have actually been in the warehouse in the back of the cafe all this time the mani mani statue was a device that created illusions and when oh. it was destroyed the illusion dissipated the illusion device was oh destroyed I a think mouse there's tells a, you this and, yeah yes. oh yeah mouse tells you that the mice the are mouse, so good the- the mice yeah, are so good. Yeah, the mice really know what's going on I in this game. I love the mice so much. They're the chorus. They are the, the mouse... chorus of this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mouse says, you are wandering around the warehouse with a vacant, faraway look in your eyes. Were you daydreaming? I love that vision. I I want to say, and I, you didn't remind me until now, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I, if, if this scene is not literally lifted and shifted into narco at a <laughs> a climactic fight at the end of that game then it must have been um i almost i almost want to say it was unconscious on the part of the designers because i'm like oh wow this this is that again except before uh-huh. so that was fantastic utterly fantastic so much fun Not i want to get into in norco but yeah <laughs> not for the people in narco no <laughs> it is not fun at all <laughs> the mani mani statue has been the like the kind of side antagonist of the game up to this point the if you can call it the overarching plot it seems to have been ness while stumbling around and doing other adventures has been following the mani mani statue and managing to undo its influence in different places. And this Mani Mani statue was discovered underneath the hill that Ness lives on. There is, I think, a really potent way in which the Mani Mani statue could be said to represent the dark side of Ness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I uh, like, the the evil that comes up out of the underworld and then has to be, uh, you know, beaten (laughs) back down, uh, like these, uh, well, there's a, there's a certain notion of a repressed shadow about it because what does the Mani Mani statue do? It says that it creates illusions here. That's pretty clear, but it gives Lyrex adjurate evil or greedy thoughts. It gives, uh, car painter apparently the power to hypnotize the town and make him into a cult leader and it's giving monotoli the power to become you know this donald trump character 
who uh, owns all the real estate in Forsyth and also the police. I think that the name Mani Mani may be intended to recall money. I hmm. think that its depiction as an Oscar statuette uh, is not a coincidence. And what the Mani Mani statue represents is selfish desire in general mm-hmm. that allows evil to come into the world. And all of these villains so far have been like normal people who have been corrupted by this force that's able to amplify their selfish desire. And so they can, they start causing problems in the world. Uh, but then when you kind of slap some sense into them, uh, they are able to give up their selfishness. And it turns out that they were good people all along. After this point in the game, I don't think that's true as much. I think that destroying the Mani Mani statue represents a shift from the low-key or like the lower stakes um, convincing selfish people to be better people and moving up into the higher stakes world of fighting against the force of evil itself that can't really be convinced to turn around and be a nice guy. The game's And so this is yeah. like the halfway point of the game. Mm. It really is. The game's entering much more of a, a traditional RPG mode in some ways, where we're about to be yeah. going to far flung locales and dealing yeah, with a major the major quest. And and uh uh foresight is the end of the line literally on the on the one two three four pun and it's just like okay everything after, after yeah. you're you're off the number line kid you're the twin right. the turn the, the training wheels come off yeah yeah do you think that the i mean that that theory sounds absolutely true to me do you think that uh because ness and jeff are kids that's partly why they're able to defeat it i wonder if uh, if it's like a, a money and, and fame sort of thing, it, it has to I be kids they're... who are <laughs> protecting everyone. Well, okay. We should stop dancing around spoilers because it's it, part of this analysis is the fact that when we get to Magicent or Magicant and we enter Ness's mind, Ness apparently has, you know, done his cosmic self-actualization by visiting all of the tourist destinations. And, you know, he's going to become the best Ness he can be. But to do that, he has to go into the deepest part of his brain and he has to confront his evil self, the Ness's nightmare shadow self that does use PSI rocking against him. And this is shaped like the Mani Mani statue to represent, I think, the same force of selfish desire of like the tendency toward evil that Ness does have in his soul because everyone mm. does. True and enough. so I, I don't know if I want to say that being a kid, it might make him less susceptible to that. We might say there's, I, I don't think the game would disagree <laughs> that uh, kids are better at resisting that mm. kind of evil than adults are. I think Sarah's onto something a little bit though, because as the Manny, we we we've been doing this first chunk of the game, the first half of the game, 
and going down to town and dealing with the Mani Mani statue influencing adults. Um, and there's definitely kind of an underpinning of like, as the children in the situation, we're able to deal with that a little bit from a different perspective. But in this back half of the game, it's that's going to fall away a little bit. And the, the Mani Mani statue, the, the conspiracy, the Mani Mani statue falls away. And we end up now for a lot of this back half following Pokey around. And Pokey is a child. Yeah. And so now we've kind of reached the culmination of as far as we've reached, we, we have accomplished as much as we can from this like childhood. Hang on, let me rephrase that. We okay. have accomplished as much as we can by being children and like that, that child, a child's perspective overcoming this like adult corruption or whatever. Cause mm -hmm. now okay. the back half we're, we're, we we children are facing off against another child, so to speak. We're trailing this hmm. e this child who's chosen evil. Yeah, I guess in a very flattening way to say that. Um, well, and so like it, having go ahead. No, I think what's interesting about Pokey is it, he doesn't seem to be under the influence of the money money statue in any of the situations where he's close to it. Yes. Hmm. No matter what you do, no matter how much you beat up the adult authority figures, Pokey isn't like, oh, gosh, I, it was all a bad dream. No, he is evil in his core. Yeah. And he doesn't like the out, out exterior corrupting influence doesn't have any effect. We're, we're shifting to a refutation of the thesis that like childhood innocence can overcome adult corruption or whatever. Mm. Well, now they're more um, evenly matched. At least. And now it, and that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, it coincides with like a kind of overall shift in what the game's what what the goals in the game are. Jason, what do you have to say about this? Um, I'm hmm. It's interesting that Pokey specifically aligns himself with Gygus, so he doesn't. He he's he's not manipulated directly by the Mani Mani statues. Just sort of swept up. Uh, in as as it's corrupting all these adult figures, but then as he becomes the main antagonist in the in the back half of the game, um, he sort of specifically acts as like the uh, I don't want to say anything as as grand as the, the hand of Gygus, but he base he he throws his lot in more and more explicitly with the the big bad, who the argument we're putting forward here. And I have to say, this is the first time I, I've heard that expressed explicitly, that the the, the big bad uh, that Ness and friends have to fight at the end is uh, is is Ness's own, uh, you know, Ness's own dark side, which... Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold we got to be clear. All right. In the, what they call the Sea of Eden, which I don't know how often they say that, but like in the Magician sequence... Right after you get the eighth sanctuary, that's when Ness fights Ness's nightmare, yeah. which has the same sprite as the Mani Mani statue, and that is like unequivocally Ness's evil side. Oh, that now thing. at the end. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I forgot all about that. Um, thank you for all reminding right. <laughs> me because I actually no, I didn't forget that. I was remembering that, and I'm like, wait, is the fight with the Mani Mani statue? 
in the in that island with the dinosaurs all around it? That seems like it happens a lot later. But no, okay, I I got it now. That does happen a lot later. That does happen yeah. a lot later. There's no dinosaurs yet, except for the bones that are you and me. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay, then I retract three quarters of my earlier statement. <laughs> Except that Pokey Pokey does throw in with the big bad, whereas before this he was just enjoying the the side benefits of all the chaos that was erupting around him. I guess. Here's what I think we can say without having to, uh, or what we can get out of this confusion is Earthbound depicts multiple flavors of evil in the world. There is the Mani Mani statue itself. There is the people influenced by the Mani Mani statue. There is Pokey, who is a certain kind of evil. And there is Gygus, who is another kind of evil on top of that. And they are all, they're like, I think the order in which they're, oh, and I'm sorry, also Ness's nightmare, the evil within the supposedly pure of heart protagonist is another entry on that list and various troublemaking animals who want to fight you <laughs> those are also evil they're not yes. evil they're just misguided and the when you fight the sign that says ohio that's a different kind of evil the evil of transit and the dinosaurs and when you fight that pair of lips yeah etc but we'll get to that later um, no, I think like, uh, an RPG telling a fantasy story of a triumph over evil, uh, you might expect to pick one of those forms of evil, usually the highest cosmic form and, you know, just go with that. But Earthbound, even though like, even though I don't. I, I never want to say that Earthbound really has a thesis statement or like a, a real message that it's trying to convey. I think it, it never quite gets there and it's really content to just have a bunch of different stuff and just goof off. But it is a, it's, it's expressing a perspective. Yeah. And for that perspective to have such a nuanced view of things that need to be overcome in the world is interesting to me. And I don't know if you get that out of a game as flat, as naive, as boring and stupid as, say, Chrono Trigger. (laughs) (laughs) Chrono Trigger. I got a reaction out of everybody except who I was trying to get a reaction out of. I was laughing silently. Uh, No, Chrono Trigger is about going back into the past to beat a a monster who is standing at this exact same spot where you are, except it's in the past and you have to fight him in a time machine. So that has nothing at all to do with this game. So thank you for making that (laughs) distinction. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really curious to find out what uh, emotion Ryan thought he was going to elicit from me when he uh, made the dig at Chrono Trigger. Because I don't know how he feels I feel about that video game. Uh, you like Chrono Trigger, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I don't know. It's all right. The, it's got a I know it's good. 
the thing about Chrono Trigger is I recently re I recently played Live Alive and I'm like, oh, oh. there are two there are two paths ahead of me here. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, he made Live Alive and Live Alive is really good, whereas Chrono Trigger is like, yeah, that's good. Oh, I see. I, I played the man's game previously. Yeah, that's you know. I don't want to get into a big thing about Chrono Trigger. I think it's a good game. Yeah, it's good. It's no Chrono Cross, though. Oh, well, who is? <laughs> is any the of thing that... is... Oh, go ahead. Let's go outside Jackie's Cafe. Because some stuff is going to happen. It was all a dream. Oh, we're going to do this. Okay, let's go. Oh, no. Okay. I don't even is... remember uh, what happens uh, next. Yeah. This is This is, like... You get a call from Apple. I King, almost right? threw mm, yeah. my switch across the no. room. This is too good. <laughs> it's too good. Like th this. No, this is this is just S class like comedy. Like this is comedy. Oh, yeah. You would expect to see in like a modern, very good TV show on Apple Plus. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about, but it's very good. Please continue. I'm sorry. What happens first is there is a monkey who's wandering around or like it, it runs into a wall and like bursts into flames here is something okay uh uh if you see this monkey run into a wall and you know turn black and um uh you just abandon it and you're like what do i do next in this game and you go to the hint man uh, I'm not able to find it, but the hint man has a specific hint for that monkey got all burnt up. Don't you think you should make sure it's okay? You, hmm. you should probably talk to the flaming monkey. That was weird. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? And the kid? monkey says, but, like, you're going to have to forgive us if we don't get all of this exactly right, you, because there's so many details. You do all get the call from Apple kid first. Oh, you do? Yeah, okay. because that makes it funnier when the next person to show up as a monkey the, the call from <laughs> apple kids inside right it's coming oh, maybe. from inside the monkey yeah okay no inside the uh <laughs> inside jackie's cafe after you've returned you get a call from apple kid apple kid says i've invented a machine that it's a yo it, it's a uh a yogurt maker yogurt dispenser. a gourmet yogurt machine uh, yeah it makes many different flavors of yogurt the only problem is, right now, it can only make trout-flavored yogurt. So I'm having the machine delivered to you via Escargo Express. It's coming neglected class. Neglected. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll get it soon. Yeah, everything is... Uh, I've got some problems here. Gotta go by. Okay. The localization of this video game is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It so many... panic oh. how good it is. <laughs> Just the the... Entire sentence as one long word with no spaces to represent urgency. Yeah. Uh, the mm -hmm. term escargot express neglected class. <laughs> yes. That is such what a on earth? genius writing in this video game. We just get this rapid fire of jokes here. Jason's mm -hmm. right. It is like a so TV show where it's like somebody walking into a situation and having three or four different people make this make a jokes at them in rapid succession it's great because and so when you go outside is it the monkey next next it's the monkey yeah okay 
And uh, the uh, uh, I can't read. He, he says, "I'm not a delivery man." <laughs> glad, yeah. glad we got that sorted out. So he knows that I can't remember if we've met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might think I'm like not a delivery person from the. He's phone like he's call. turning to the camera and saying, "I'm not the delivery man." <laughs> yeah. Hang on a second. Yeah, yeah. This is. This uh, but is he good. says, "Talarama just finished fasting." And wants to meet you in at the west end of Dusty Dunes Desert in a cave with a lot of monkeys. I'll use my teleportation to, and then you have hear it like run off stage, and then you hear the teleportation failure sound effect, and then you hear the teleportation sound effect again, indicating that it took a couple tries, but that monkey is headed back to the monkey cave. Then a guy runs up, and yes. he's like, "Oh, hi, uh, mm, uh, 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 uh." uh. And like the narrator then says, it's it's Cargo Express neglected class. Yes, you find <laughs> out that the narrator has a voice that's in parentheses, uh, and, and he, in so many words, says, "I was supposed to deliver you a machine that makes drop flavored yogurt, uh, but I dropped it in a hole. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going back that way, so don't ask me to get the package. It's your package, right? So you go get it." Maybe that thing I forgot is important to you. So have a good time in the desert. You got what you pay for. Indeed. And then finally, someone who I think might not you even could have seen before this point. Correct. Uh, a lady approaches so saying, good. I heard you talking about trout flavored oh yogurt. Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> I'm a maid who serves <laughs> Mr. Monotoli. You're talking about trout flavored yogurt. <laughs> And I'm looking for trout flavored yogurt to give to our special <laughs> guest. It's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> if you know anything about it, please tell me. I've been searching and searching, and then she runs away. <laughs> well, she's still out there searching. Me. She's still looking. Maybe, she's yeah. maybe still while she's there. talking to you, she might find it somewhere else. This is great too, because this comes after we've kind of not complained. But we've remarked about how the game's been in a mode about not specifically directing the player anywhere. Uh, and right. And things have shifted now, and they're like, okay, no, you've been in Foresight long enough. You've done enough exploration. We're going to provide you new impetus here, and we're going to, like, just straight up tell you where you need to go for this last session. I think it's it's entirely fair for players to complain about the lack of direction in certain parts of this game. I think that by... Our 21st century standards, it's absolutely, like, not helpful enough and causes players to become lost in a way that is frustrating and makes it a good thing that the game was bundled with a player's guide. But I don't think you can say that it's not on purpose. Oh, sure. I think they use the lack of direction to create the mood in various parts of the game. And they're able to... um, also use it f- to create jokes where after being directionless for an hour or so, now you get very explicit directions in this very hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's like a relief after all the multi-layered yes. confusion of, yeah. of Moonside. Totally. Um, I, I think that like people making games today or like people making games throughout the history of making games uh, don't always understand that things we take for granted as good design are choices that can be manipulated to create emotional effects and create like catharsis here um 
or to create moods and emotions. Um, sometimes what the the discourse has decided is the right thing to do is just the accepted thing to do. And, you know, you can do something really special and exciting by uh, doing something else. Do you mind if we take a quick break, even though we're probably near the episode, near the end of the episode? Sure. Let's sure. take a quick okay, we break. Need to take a quick break. Pardon me. I'm going to switch Wi-Fi now. Don't stop recording. Whoa. Don't stop recording. Okay? Yeah. Okay. You got you to gotta let it roll. Because. Or else yeah. it's a nightmare to edit. That's right. I'm keeping my headphones on, but I'm, I'm not going to stop the now. button. I'm rolling over here. Don't look at my phone that I left over here. Uh, I might drop out of the call, but uh, come back. Is that a thing I can do? Yeah. Yeah, if you like. Just don't All right. stop recording ever. I'm not. No, never. Never. Am I still in? Yeah. You're still in. Oh. It just got quiet because I, I was looking not at my phone. Anymore. Me too. All right. Wait, I'm what? Gonna go. But I can still hear. Oh. Hello, hello. You're back. Hello, hello. hello. You're back. That I was very back. fast. Yeah, I just switched Wi-Fi networks because that, that one ah. was kind of bad. Yeah. But a better one. Uh, I'm actually going to yeah, yeah. go get a sip of water. I'll be two seconds. It's just you and me, Sarah. Yep. We got to carry this Looking podcast our on our backs. Oh, oh, I already put my phone I, back. Is this all going in the podcast? <laughs> I, it could be. If we say something Ryan really smart. Ryan could have said vamp for time. And oh, yeah. He didn't say that. Like, he did not say for that. Okay. I wonder how long of a break he was intending. Yeah. Uh, we've already moved through to the stuff that I have under episode 11, which is really funny. Uh, okay, back. Because I just kind of uh, try and guess where the episodes will be ending, and mm-hmm. now we've continued. Hmm. Uh-oh. Let me look at that list. Well, that's... Oh, 11, my, yeah. My, my, my I, yeah, I combined two of the your original ones into one, just because I was... That's... I was trying Accurate. to keep us on track. I hope that's Let's see. Right. Oh, I can post. While we're waiting, I can post pictures. Hold on. Huh. Oh, nice. Pictures. No, the Mani Mani statue. I thought uh, that there, I, I, there, it was, there wasn't a good part for me to interject here, and it wasn't very interesting, but I, I didn't get until listening to your show that there was a single Mani Mani statue moving around. I, I missed uh, all the dialogue oh. referring to that, and I just thought there were like a bunch. <laughs> and then I didn't think about it too hard after this after this scene apparently. It's like it's an RTS and you have to like build many mighty statues to spread yeah. influence. Yeah, to build <laughs> your, your zero. Hey, where's that file? I, I I literally just saved this file. Where did I save this file to? Like how you went straight to RTS based on that now that makes perfect sense though. Yep. Yeah. Um, you must build more art money money statues. You have to build additional money money statues required. Yes, exactly. Uh, where's this file? Oh, it's uh, here. <clears throat> so that's the Sarah, one. What are they talking about? Oh wow! From... <laughs> He's like holding a dagger. Oh gosh! Like, where's the? Hold on. It's got shoes. Because somebody in a Discord I'm in. Oh come on, Discord! 
Yeah. Don't be a. No. Zach. Uh-oh. This isn't going He's to the back. podcast. I can say his. I can say his swear word <laughs> if I want to. Now he has no, to go I, back. I'm trying to search this for. Might go in the podcast. I'm trying to search for Monty Monty. And And uh, it's it, it's understanding that as many many. Mm. And so I'm not able to find uh. this uh, post that somebody made like six months ago when they said, "Hey, I look, I got this cool Monty Monty statue." Found it. Oh, I guess it looks about the same. <laughs> Here it comes. That took forever. I'm to ready. Find. Very ready. I don't know why it's like generating like that. That is someone's hmm. photograph of their statue. Oh, yeah, the lighting. And it might is be the different. lighting. Yeah. Yeah, it looks flatter, but I think that's just because it's a different angle. That's yeah. a classy box, though. Yeah. Wow. That's real good. I didn't know this thing existed until somebody's like, look what I got. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really expensive, though. And I don't think they're in. When I look just now, it's like you could pay somebody $500 on eBay. And I'm like, no, no, thanks. You probably but shouldn't own like... one of those. <laughs> also that. Also that. No. Like, I'm not a guy. I I have never, even when I had more disposable income, been the kind of guy who's like, oh, I got to have th- the thing from the media that I like. <laughs> like, I have to have, I have to, like, my fandom says that I need to own objects. But that's such a cool thing. I really want one of those, even though I'm mostly not a cool objects guy. I'm looking around at my desk i do have this lego boat that i made see but that's why I like lego and like i have a lot of gunpla and like that stuff I, i'm buying that but i'm buying it for the experience of building it mostly and to, like i sure. can have a thing on a shelf but i'm not doing the high-end ones that are like or and i'm not painting anything it's no. lar- largely for the kinesthetic experience of putting a thing together and we all have you know we all have a limit as to uh, how much stupid stuff we want to have on shelves. But like my desire for the money, money statue specifically far outstrips my desire to have any stupid shelf object. You have to resist from anywhere else. No, I want it. <laughs> it's calling to me. No. And so, uh, and so I think we should get back to podcast. Um, now, I, I'll ask you guys, do, do you want to keep talking? I want to have Jason on for as long as we can. Yeah. But you might this have like lives to This is your one shot. To. I don't know. Is that true? Or do you want? I, I can't imagine. we. I, I don't know how busy you are, but we could probably get you back at some point. Oh, yeah. No, I, just, I, got, I got nowhere to be. You kidding me? <laughs> say, say the word. I will <laughs> well, show up. <laughs> Jason really needs to build his brand so he can't afford to say no. Well, yeah. I have notes through Monkey Cave, so just you, you got to give me this, guys. I just I need this. Um, <laughs> notes through Monkey Cave. I had like one general question, just about uh, the game's difficulty and, and playing it in in modern times oh. that I wanted to bring up. But oh, I, sure. I could, I could save it for a different episode. We don't have to talk about that right now. No, we're talking I love about questions. it right now. I love okay. Literally now, are we doing it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hey. 
friends, I want to, <laughs> I want to know, um, so I played this on Switch, and I think, did we all play this on Switch most recently? Yeah. And did we... I did, but I don't think Zach did. Oh. Zach, no, I am playing it, on it uh, on, emulated on a analog pocket. That's a good choice. Um, I think that the question still applies, which is this. Uh... So when I so I played this on Switch on the the um, the Nintendo blessed Nintendo Online twenty dollar a year hey you can play thirty SNES games and five of them are actually good I, I played I used that thing and that has a very nice uh, which which I know are, are ubiquitous features in, in emulators but it, they're very they're especially smooth I I think on the, the way that the, the Switch uh, implements this where you can you know, just freeze your state anywhere and quickly go back to it and you can rewind. Uh, and I played my other big SNES, um, uh, backfill was two years ago when I was training for, uh, I almost was about to say, I, I shouldn't say this on the public, but I'm going to say it anywhere. When I, when I was going through the training period for my current full-time job, um, I played a lot of super Metroid, because I was a pandemic hire and it involved watching a lot of videos and I watched the videos and I was in all of the lectures and I played Super Metroid uh, for the first time on my Switch and I loved, loved the rewind feature. Um, (laughs) I could not have gone through the entire game without the rewind feature. I do not feel that it spoiled my enjoyment of this masterpiece in any way and I also exploited it a great deal, a great deal, uh, playing Earthbound. So the combat did not feel like a grind to me, and I never got particularly frustrated because I didn't rewind like every time I got hit. But during boss fights, uh, I would absolutely put the thumb on the scales in my own favor. Um, And I would still lose boss fights if I like my loadout was entirely wrong. So like... The first boss fight okay. I, I had real problems with with was the 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 dude who kidnaps pa, uh, Paula and you you fight him in the in the mall, and uh, I finally beat him because I figured out oh I need to load Jeff up with rockets. You, you finally need to talk to sure. that sketchy dude, give Jeff a rocket bandolier, and that's that's one way to beat that guy. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of a rocket bandolier. That's exactly that's how, that's, that's, that's how I was that's how I was I was imagining that, um, and like and that both played um, yeah it made the game a lot more enjoyable. It also encouraged me to completely utterly totally miss how and I'm not, I actually don't want to talk about it in detail here, but because I had the rewind available to me, I completely missed how the the final final uh, boss fight was supposed to go. Um, sure. and I played it totally wrong and I had to look at that up too, uh, which is kind of too bad. Um, but I want to know if you all like, this is, I, th- you know, th- this is your nth playthrough of this game in, in, in the case of all of you, um, do you all engage with the game using these, uh, emulation specific features or do you play it straight as if you're playing it on a super Nintendo uh, like, yeah, and I never talked to dad either. 
I, I, I almost <laughs> never, I almost never saved my game. I would tell dad, I just want to keep playing. And he would tell me he was disappointed in me, but okay. And that's the only conversation I had with him. Um, so I'm curious, like what, how the rest of you, uh, interacted with it, with the, your, your emulated experience, uh, in this regard. It didn't occur to me to use any of those tools. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. I've just been playing it normal way. I love it. Yeah, I nothing against using the tools, but it feels authentic. I like it. I've been speaking of saving, I do something really stupid where I only save when I I, I, only, I use dad to save and I do the hard saves, but I always save a state right after I call dad because loading into a saved state is faster than like going through the menus of the actual game. Sure. Oh, but you keep yourself honest. So you're like, I will do a legitimate save and then I will do a con- a convenient save. Yeah. But that's the only place and you I let think, yourself do that. And I guess that preserves something about the intended experience where one has to hypothesize that they were careful about placing those save locate those phones in places that like they wanted they wanted it to be possible to take a break at those spots and that at other spots that there's something about the Mm. intended emotional experience that you shouldn't be able to stop in the middle of a dungeon you should have to leave the snas running all night or something so for my part uh with the 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 pocket at least with the current firmware there's no save states or no rewind oh wow with the the core that i'm using so uh i don't have the option to do that um but for a game like earthbound that i've played a whole bunch of times that's fine yeah i know that game in and out i can play through that game and it's fine i guess it's more authentic but it's more just out of convenience that i'm playing it on the handheld device that i can readily play stuff on um but like conversely you know i'm playing um what is it east four for the super nintendo right now and that one I could emulate and play on my couch, but I play that at the computer where I have access to save states because that's a game I have not played before. And I want the convenience of being able to say like, oh, this part's going to be hard. I'm going to do a save state. Okay. Um, okay. So that's very interesting. Because, yeah. Then, and it's that's, really more out of convenience. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I have no, no qualms with using those features uh, if I need them, basically. I, I I didn't say anything about combat. And what I wanted to say was, I, I, I feel bad about using, like, if I am in a bad situation in combat, I, like, I'm not, I'm too honest to give myself an advantage there, except if I am like, I wonder if this works, and it turns out that an item is not actually for this battle or something like that, then I will... Uh, rewind a little saying that that was research for the podcast very good valid (laughs) and i have been using like most of the save state stuff i've been doing has been uh like outside of combat thinking is it possible to do this before this i don't want to like walk all the way back to this town to check this and it turns out that was a waste of time and i have to walk back so i try to save and it turns out i'm very bad at choosing where to save a state to (laughs) save me time for this so there was a point where 
I wanted to check something in Saturn Valley. Oh, I know what it was. It was after doing everything in Foresight, um, the coffee text in Saturn Valley says, next you'll go to Foresight. I was like, does that change if you wait to have coffee until after Foresight? Mm. It doesn't. Huh. But also, if with Teleport Alpha, you're not getting out of Saturn Valley unless you have really fast fingers. So I had to walk all the way back into three. <laughs> Do we want to talk about a monkey cave? I mean... I guess not. Is this the end of the podcast? We can just say goodnight. I think I might need to be done.